through that door. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is safe. Green is safe. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Powers. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Before we get to our episode this week, I want to mention our sponsors. First off, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. Let us know how what you think, how we're doing. Got any suggestions for us, topics you'd like to see us cover. And now to our sponsors, Titan Home Lending. If you are anywhere in the state of Florida and you need to get financed for a home purchase, for a refinance, for a renovation, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, area code 205-790-1404. We work with veterans, first responders. We have access to conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, jumbo loans, and everything in between. So reach out to us at Titan Home Lending, 205 705- 790-1404 and let me put you in that home of your dream. Ultimate Health Plans. If you have a relative or if you are of the age to take advantage of Medicare benefits, reach out to Patrick Highland at area code 813-966-1052 for all of your Medicare needs. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host Jason Powers. Down here in Tampa, Florida. Appreciate you finding us on the variety of uh, podcast platforms that you may be searching. Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. We appreciate you finding us. Got a good episode tonight for you. We got a newcomer to the to the podcast. We're going to talk lots of college basketball. We got March Madness on Sunday. We got conference tournaments galore all over the place. Awesome couple of days here watching hoops. For those of you that maybe haven't watched a whole lot of hoops this year, this is a great opportunity to kind of get caught up on some on some teams and some players. And we're going to do that tonight with Deshaun Tate. The the uh, he has his own podcast called Tate's Take. He talks about all kind of all things college basketball and such. So we're going to bring Deshaun on. We're going to talk after we talk to Deshaun. We're going to I'm going to give you some some uh, notes and tidbits about the NFL free agency period. That's going on right now. That the carnage that's going on with the salary cap, free agency starting next week. Who's gotten franchise tagged? Who hasn't? So stick around when we get done talking to Sean. I'm going to give you some NFL news and notes. But Deshaun, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on. Of course, Powers. Thanks so much for having me. I'll tell you what. I'm wearing my surviving advanced shirt. That's what it's all about. And. Yeah. Uh, in case the people been living under a rock, we got March Madness going on. I'm ear to ear right now. I got a napkin wrapped around my neck, a fork in one hand, a steak in the other hand. I'm ready to eat, man. Let's go. This is one of the great three or four day periods because one, there's basketball on from basically 11 o'clock in the morning till about midnight on about five different channels from ESPN to ESPN2 to Fox Sports to you know, whatever you can, you, Big Ten Network, you can watch SEC Network, you can watch any conference that you like. 
every channel, every game, even more games than the than the really than the NCAA tournament. But le- there are so many teams that are still in that on the last four or five teams that are trying to get in the in the tournament. Obviously, teams are playing for seedings this weekend. There's automatic bids, so you got teams like Iona with Rick Patino that are still alive. Things like that that'd be cool little stories. So lots of drama going on in these conference tournaments, even though most of them don't have fans. There are a few places that are that have limited fans, but it's still good basketball, and it's a great way for us as fans who maybe don't watch all basketball all year round to kind of catch up on some teams that we like. Uh, your thoughts? You know, I'm just uh, it, it's crazy. I'm really excited just for what we're going to that we're even having the opportunity to have a tournament. First of all, my dreams were crushed on last year during the pandemic, actually right around this time, exactly yep. last year, uh, conference tournaments and everything's like that. And uh, it's all about the bubbles bursting. I mean, listen, we're talking about five versus 12 seed games and upsets and buzzer beaters wasn't long ago we seen a 16 seed uh beat a one seed and just the way that things have unraveled this year I mean look at it we was not long ago talking about so many of the blue bloods having a bad year and maybe not getting in Kansas Duke Carolina Kentucky UCLA Indiana Michigan State and so forth I know you're a big football guy too just imagine maybe us going into a situation where we have a uh a, a, approaching a college football playoff scenario with no Alabama, no Clemson, no Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU. It's just crazy. It's mind boggling. But I tell you what, all of the teams that are going to have the opportunity to get there, all 68 of them, uh, what an accomplishment that, that that it is for them and for the NCAA to put this thing together. I'm just keeping my fingers and toes crossed that we can cross the finish line with this thing and uh, hope that everybody remains safe. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had a big, big, big development today relative to COVID. We had Duke, who was playing well in the ACC tournament. That one of their uh, personnel and their in their, I don't think it was one of the players or coach. I think it was one of their administrators that's involved with the basketball tested positive. They had Shashevsky and the AD made the decision they shut down the entire rest of the season. They're not going to play anymore in the ACC tournament. They're not. They're going to take themselves out of eligibility for the for an at large bid. They were a long shot to make it anyway, unless they made it probably to at least the ACC final. But still, that's still a big program that's been eliminated from that. And we're going to get to the ACC in a second. Before we get to the conference, I want to get your thoughts. The Doug McDermott or the the McDermott situation at Creighton. Obviously, he had his he got suspended a week a, a week or so back. There was an odd way that Creighton handled that. They let him coach the Villanova game because they were kind of still in the Big East title race. Then after the game, they then they decide to suspend him. Then he only sits out one game when they win over the weekend, and then they reinstate McDermott here for the Big East tournament. Just your general thoughts of that whole situation at Creighton and how they handled it. Yeah, initially I was just kind of like, mm, I don't yeah. know about this one, <laughs> you know, if I'm just being uh, brutally yeah. honest. But I tell you what, they – they handled it the way that they felt like it should have been handled. And I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, like it, love it, hate it, or anything in between. They did what they did that, that they felt like that they had to do. Some people are going to feel like a suspension shouldn't have been warranted at all. Some people are going to feel like that a suspension, a longer suspension should have been warranted uh, or should have been warranted rather. But uh, I, I'm under the impression of just feeling like without knowing Coach McDermott at all, uh, that his uh, apology was very genuine. Right. Uh, and it, 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 it kind of had an honest feel to it. 
Um, but we also understand that in the world that we're living in, there's just a lot of things, there's a lot of sensitivity, and there's a lot of things that just cannot be said. Right. Uh, no matter what, how you slice it, dice it, shape it, and mold it, and um, you know, maybe a couple more games. Of, I, I'm always kind of curious to know, you know, in in the event in which it happened in the season at the time that it did, right. knowing that you needed somebody like that on your sidelines again. Maybe what was it really about? You know, let's make him go ahead and sit down. Maybe this one or two game because of the game that was at stake at that point and yeah. things like that. But uh, but listen, nonetheless, we are one thing I will always say uh, is that, you know, we all make mistakes. Some of them shouldn't be made. You ask my mom, she's going to give you a whole laundry list or a grocery list of all the mistakes that I've made. Uh, and, and, and we're all still human, but we're all learning in the same token. They did what they had to do. And now that uh, Villanova is not in contention for a conference tournament crown anymore, Creighton is going to be right there to take it over. And we'll just have to go from there and see how it all pans out. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't like that, that he sat one game. I think that was a... I didn't like it one bit. I mean, to me, if Creighton is a seven seed in the Big East tournament, he ain't coaching the rest of the year. I mean, I, I honestly, I said a week ago on my pod in the podcast that he, I didn't think he'd coach again the rest of the year. To me, that would have been a justifiable, if you didn't want to fire him and you wanted him to send a message, you suspend him for the rest of the year, conference tournament, NCAA tournament. And like you said, I, I agree. I think his, his apology was genuine. But obviously, it's something you just can't say under any circumstance. He screwed up big time. And whether you fire him or not is one thing. But a one-game suspension, the last regular season game of the regular season, to me, that's weak. And I didn't like it one bit. And I, I think he should have sat the rest of the year personally. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think the other part of that sometimes you have to question is what kind of message by sitting him for a game is that sending out? Not only to uh, the other coaches within right. – uh, the conference or around the nation, even right. for that matter. Uh, but even more so, what kind of a message is that sending to the kids as well? So I think that you have to kind of factor in a little bit of everything, considering the circumstances. Right. And maybe, you know, he did get cut a little bit of a break or whatever, what have you. Um, but look, l life is going to go on. I'm, I, 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 this isn't the first time something has been said. We keep our fingers, toes, right. eyes, everything crossed that this will be the last time that it's right. said. Uh, but you know what? We know the world that we're living in and all we can do is just hope for the best. Keep our eyes on the prize. Be as optimistic and positive about this whole thing as we possibly can. And while that's difficult, listen, we have a ton of games that are going to be coming up. And I can only imagine that those games will begin to overshadow exactly what happened on that uh, on that campus. There you go. I, I hear you. All right, let's get to on the court. Let's get to the ACC. You're you're based out of Atlanta. That's kind of your neck of the woods with Georgia Tech and that, that, that the whole crew. They're playing in Greensboro. Obviously, we had the Duke situation today where Florida State basically had a forfeit, a walkover game in the quarterfinals. So they're going to they're in the semifinals. Carolina was playing tonight, Virginia Tech. Um, your Georgia, Georgia Tech down your way, they won today. Virginia beat Syracuse at the buzzer today on a three. Just your general thoughts about the ACC, a little down this year, not the super team that we're used to seeing out of Duke and Carolina. No, no Duke in the tournament. Carolina's probably going to be a 8-9 seed, something like that. Is Florida State, Virginia, are they legitimate teams that can make a deep run? I think so, and I think that team is – more so Florida State, Virginia doesn't necessarily have the horses to run out there the way that they did before uh, outside of 
Keahi Clark, the starting point guard, who was a freshman on that national championship right. team. But uh, I will say enough to say that uh, without being really certain as to who the best team is in that conference between those two teams, Florida State definitely appears to be a little bit more equipped. I consider them to maybe be a team that Gonzaga wouldn't want to play uh, when the tournament rolls around just because of their experience, athleticism. Uh, they're very disciplined, obviously, with under Leonard Hamilton, a very good coach. And I mean, that's probably really an understatement. Great I coach. mean, he's been he's probably done as good of a job as anybody around the country who has not won a national championship or went to a final four over the last handful of years or so. Yep. Uh, but you know what? I, I I fully expect for that to be probably one of the dark horse teams, quote unquote, uh, to maybe make it to a final four run. If you think about it, a team like that, and I know we're going to get to some of the others here in a second, but uh, a, a team like that, you know, has been consistently and persistent and persistently Sweet knocking 16. on the door Sweet of the final four eight. over yep. and over. Exactly. And so, you know, usually when that happens, the door gets kicked down. I kind of feel like as some of that field, the way that Villanova did before 2016, before yep. they won a national championship. Uh, but Florida State is certainly at the top of that list for me, just because of Virginia style. Uh, in terms of Georgia Tech, I mean, I feel like you get the best bang, and I'm not trying to turn this into uh, a betting site or anything, but I feel like you get the best bang for your buck if you're looking for a dark horse to win the ACC tournament. I know that uh, head coach Josh Pastner has said multiple times over the years when I've been in those locker rooms and pressers covering them, the idea is to get old and stay old, and that's why you see so many of those type of successful teams that have uh, done, been exactly that this year. Jose Alvarado, and yeah. arguably one of the best leaders in college basketball this year. The X Factor, I think, being Jordan Usher, but they've got the backcourt all tied down with uh, guys like Michael DeVoe. Uh, they've got an ACC player of the year this year and Moses Wright. Yes. So they obviously look really, really good. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of Duke and that situation, kind of another one of those eh, I don't know about this type of feels just because the simple fact the year started out with coach K saying that he believes uh, that every single team should have a shot at making it to the NCAA tournament turned around and said that he doesn't think that there should be an NCAA tournament <laughs> I said it I mean he seems like he doesn't have have his mind made up any more than my girlfriend does when I ask her what she wants to eat for dinner tonight uh, but outside of that uh, I I said on multiple different platforms and podcasts months ago that it wouldn't surprise me that in the event that we get much closer to Duke not making the tournament and being a severe threat to making the NCAA tournament, it wouldn't cross my mind uh, or it wouldn't keep me from crossing my mind one time that he'd pull the plug and blame it on COVID. And I certainly hope that he's better than that. Now, I'm not saying that that's not the case this year. I, I, I'm not the person to judge on, based yeah. on that. I just don't feel like it looks good optically uh, and that it seems like there is some skepticism there. Uh, another two quick pieces to that, and I'm sorry if I get a little long-winded, but I'm passionate. Uh, I, I feel like when it comes to, um, you know, the NCAA mentioned something yesterday about how if you are going to participate in the NCAA tournament, if you have at least five players that are able to be thrown out there on the court and play, then they're going to be held accountable to do exactly that, or they're going to have to forfeit and the other team moves on. Uh, I was kind of confused by why Duke didn't have the opportunity to exercise that right today, but I do have a little bit better and more clear understanding or overstanding that that reason is because the conferences kind of make their own rules leading right. up to the NCAA 
NCAA right. tournament. So I do understand why that is a little bit different. Um, but it's 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 unfortunate that Duke won't be a part of it. Uh, I mean, look, 24 years or whatever it is, con- consecutive NCAA yep. appearances. I mean, there's going to be an asterisk there that I just wish wasn't there. But we're working with COVID and everybody understands that yep. everybody gets it. And it's unfortunate that they won't be able to be a part of it. And I was, I was even questioning at one point in time that. Uh, you know, when they say that they're done and that they're hanging this whole thing up, is that just for the ACC tournament? What happens if the committee some way, somehow finds a way that they'll be able to legitimately get in? There's other teams that are not on the bubble the same way they are that don't get in. Does that push Duke forward? And now Duke has that opportunity, especially considering that they are a, 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 the program prestige and the right. name brand. Are they saying that we're completely out of this thing or right. we're back in if we have a shot? Those are some of the questions that kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit. It sounded like the AD today said their season was over. Like they weren't playing any postseason games. Obviously, they would probably, again, they would have to have probably made the ACC final to even be seriously Mm -hmm. considered. But, you know, remember, the women's team pulled the plug way early in the women's season. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's almost like they had a policy within the athletic department. If there was anything that popped up, we're pulling the plug. Because correct because women's basketball who's always a good program they pulled the plug very quickly i mean early on and so you know well, who here, knows here, what the thought process is but and here's my thing you know if 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 they had something to play for if zion williamson yeah. had a better team and some of those guys were right. on the team and they weren't right at about 400 or barely under or wherever they're at that we yeah. shouldn't be having that conversation about them right now if i'm just being honest yeah. but it is what it is would the plug still be pulled at that time i'm not sure that i can answer that question honestly and say right. yes it would be pulled yeah I'm, I, all right i'm gonna give you a sleeper i'm I've been watching this team the last couple of nights and the last couple of weeks, and I'm really liking what I see because they kind of play an old-school game. I if, if Carolina can get some guard play, they're bigs. They've got four big men that are big-time bigs. If they can get some guard play, Carolina's a team that can be a major factor come March, especially as an 8-9-10 seed with, with all the big men they, that they got. They're young, but they got four big men that can play. Yeah, they do. You know, you start talking about guys like Dayron Sharp, who I think is one of the more aggressive and honestly yep. just better players. And that's not even just on this roster. That's also talking about within the ACC. Yep. That's actually talking about around the country who plays with some of that aggressive, overly physical type of mentality. Uh, and, and then Walker Kessler right out of here in my backyard yep. uh, uh, of Georgia, who hadn't got a ton of time until the second half of the season playing much better. Uh, and getting because he's able to see the floor. Caleb Love finally able to hit some jump shots. At yeah. one point, I feel like he was, I don't know if he was in a doghouse or had a mental yeah. uh, issue going on in terms of not being able to put it all together on the floor. Kind of sounded like Nasir Little, who was there a few years ago type of situation. He seems like he's been able to put it together a little bit more. And then you got RJ Davis, the point guard. This is a young team. Don't get me wrong. And this is not the Carolina of old where they get out in transition, nope. the Carolina way. Throw it in the low post. There you go. They're good shooters. They're the number one team in the country, offensive rebounding. Correct. Number Always. one team because of mm-hmm. all that size. And hell, they had Notre Dame down 50 last night. I mean, <laughs> they did. And could have, I mean, they were, they, they were up by 50 at one point again. And I know Notre Dame's not a great team, but I don't care. Sure. Well, who you're, if you're playing another conference opponent and you're up 50, 
they were just crushing them on the offensive boards. I mean, it was incredible. Like you said, Sharp, Kessler, Baygott, the other big men. If they can get Baycott. some hard play and make some outside shots, that's a team that could go that could win a couple games in this tournament. Yeah, for sure. And that's the other part about, like I said, I yes, they're they're very young. Um, and they're not a great shooting team, obviously, especially from the perimeter. And again, always in the top of the rebounding category, always. Yep. Uh, sometimes it's hard to put a finger on them. You know, you see them against Duke or some of these other teams. They look really good. But then you turn around and see them against Marquette. And that just yep. really doesn't look all that good. So and you can say that about so many other teams this year, with the exception of Michigan, Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, who kind of always struggle from that same thing. So the key for them, much like so many other teams in the NCAA tournament, is going to be who is in their way the from getting all the way to the Final Four correct. What yep. seed are they going to draw? What players is going to – or what teams are going to be standing yep. in their way? Uh, and it seems like they're kind of trending in the right direction. But, again, like I've been saying over the last few weeks, as soon as you start feeling like Carolina's trending in the right direction – they always seem to lay an egg. So we'll see if Roy Williams can keep those guys going because they've definitely struggled from a recruiting standpoint from some things that occurred a couple years ago. Absolutely. All right, let's get to your beloved Big Ten. Your Michigan State, you're a big Michigan State guy. They took, obviously, they took a beat, a little bit of a beating today to, by Maryland. They should be comfortably in the field. I mean, I would think they're going to be in, even though they lost in the first round. Obviously, you got Michigan, Illinois, the heavyweights of the Big Ten who are going to both be one seeds, undoubtedly. Um, your thoughts, I'm an Indian, I went to grad school in Indiana, so I'm kind of an Indiana guy. They're done. They've gone in the toilet the last month of the season. Your thoughts, just Big Ten in general. I mean, to me, that might be the best one through seven or eight team uh, league in the, in the country from like one to six, one to seven. Yeah, they're the, most, they're, they're the best conference in the country the most physical conference in the country as well, the most competitive conference in the country. Uh, we just start looking at all the teams. I mean, yes, of course, it starts at the top with Michigan. Yes, they won that thing outright. That thing wasn't shared this year. Yep. You had to be super special, and they were expected in preseason to finish sixth. Yep. Not first, sixth. Yep. Uh, and, and so with that being said, um, you know, the job that Juwan Howard has done has been exceptional. Obviously, I think he's the hands-down national coach of the year, in my opinion. Uh, but outside of that, you've got Illinois right there. I don't think that they're a lock for a one seed just yet. I mean, they got a game coming up. If they lose early in the conference tournament, I don't think they'll be a one seed. Okay. Who knows? Alabama might find a way to get in there if they run the table in their conference right. tournament or somebody else, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but even then, I mean, listen, you got guys like Ayo Desumu, who is one of the best players in the country for Illinois. Kofi Coburn, as good as he is, a big monster big man, in the middle. Yes. Not not really in love with the way that his last name is spelled, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, but out, outside of that, um, you know, Iowa's going to be hard to deal yes. with in, in, in situations. Garza. Uh, and it, yeah, it with Luca Garza. And it's not just the Luca Garza team. And I think that's where they people get it mistaken ball. from. They shoot the ball shoot offensively. They can definitely shoot it. And they're getting a lot better defensively as well. Uh, so outside of those, I mean, yeah, we talked about Michigan State for a second. And obviously got big time wins that I think kind of confirmed their NCAA tournament hopes. They're uh, up and down, and man. They're so up and down. Yeah, it's March. So you start thinking it's Izzo time. Then they lay an egg against Maryland. You never know. You want to stay out of the way as much of them as possible yeah. in March, just because you really don't know how time Izzo is going to get his guys yeah. up and ready and prepared to play. Um, but outside of that, yeah, just the, the, the Big Ten is, is, is a load. 
And who knows, we might see one of them standing on the ladder with the scissors in hands in Indianapolis. They're not gonna have to travel far in order to do so, cutting down those nets. But, you know, a, a team out of the Big Ten hasn't done it uh, since Michigan State has done it 21 years ago. And there's been some really good Big Ten teams that haven't gotten the job done since. So we'll That's see. In, yeah, it's incredible to think it's been that long since they've won a national title. And obviously you got a team like Ohio State's who's going to be a very tough two or three seed. That's going to be a very formidable out there. So I'm with you. The, the, um, is Archie Miller in trouble in Indiana? I think he should. Definitely, yeah, he's, I, I think he's in trouble. I, I brought Dan Dockich on my podcast yesterday. We kind of kicked it around a little bit, talked about it. Uh, you know, I think he's definitely in some hot water because, you know, I, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with the fact that he hasn't gotten as long of a leash or rope as maybe Tom Crean did. Now, granted, he didn't achieve the same things that Tom right, Crean did, right. but I'm not sure he's been given the same amount of time to achieve those things. Uh, in the same token, um, you know, he when you start talking about Archie Miller, it doesn't appear that the that the team or that the program is really going in the right direction I right agree. now either. So it doesn't seem to really be improving really all that much. Uh, um, but that's just one of those, you know, big national, uh, or in a roundabout way, national brands and traditional blue blood programs that you're used to seeing at least competing and contending, not getting into the NCAA tournament is going to hurt them. And I think losing the Rutgers today just kind of solidified that, oh, yeah, put them in even, boil, even more boiling hot, hot water than they were in before. I'm going to give you a name that, that the timing hasn't really fit until maybe now a guy that could come back home to Bloomington won Steve Alford. The, the timing really didn't fit a couple of the other coaching changes they had. Alfred's been at Nevada a couple of years. Obviously, you got Archie Miller kind of going going south. This could be a time where a guy like a, one of the one of their own, Steve Alford, could be the mm -hmm. guy who could come, you know, not that he's going to be the savior, but he could be the guy that resurrects and stabilizes things and gets the and gets the Indiana nation, the Hoosier nation back behind him. Because it doesn't seem like they're just they're not behind Archie Miller. Doesn't seem like he's endeared himself well with the with the with the with the audience, with the campus, and all that stuff. So maybe you go back to one of your old heroes back in the day, Steve Alford. Who knows? Yeah, that's a strong possibility. I mean, listen, a guy who's been having a chip on his shoulder in the NBA and also played within or also coached within that state, a team in back-to-back -back years to a Final Four like Brad, like uh, like like yeah. Brad did. Uh, you know, so I, I, that 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 part even kind of has me kind of curious because the job that Brad Stevens has done with the Celtics and maybe right. not lived up to some of the expectations right. that some people thought that he was going to in the NBA. Uh, another one, Chris Beard from Texas Tech, who's yeah. learned so much from, uh, from, 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 Robert, from Robert Montgomery Knight. That is correct. So he's another one of those that I would be kind of curious to see if he would be interested in maybe going back. And uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's just one of those. I, you know, I, I told you I brought Dockage on my podcast. I definitely want to credit him for this because it's something I didn't really think about. Every Indiana coach, to my knowledge, certainly since I've been born, uh, has has been fired from there. I've never seen anybody retire from there. So when you start talking about going from Bobby Knight, who was fired uh, over to um, Mike, uh, Davis. What's the, Mike Davis, who was fired. Kelvin and Sampson. Then Ke Kelvin Sampson. Dan Dockage was another one. Now you're talking about Tom Crean and now getting into Archie Miller. It's been so long. I'm not sure that I've ever seen yeah. anybody leave on their own terms, yeah, but yeah. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because that was one that kind of had me thinking a little bit, scratching my head and swallowing my spit. All right, is Gonzaga for real? 
I think Gonzaga is for real. I see a little bit, you know, that that's one of the things that's always kind of gotten me, if I'm being honest with you, Jace, because everybody talks about the positivity and the optimism of Gonzaga and how good they look. And absolutely, they definitely do. You're not doing what they're doing without looking, you know, impressive. Uh, but nobody's talking nearly enough about the weaknesses. So, you know, from that standpoint, I definitely want to touch on that. And I'm not a Gonzaga hater by any means. I'm giving them all of their flowers because I don't think that you can beat, you know, Auburn, Kansas, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, uh, Virginia, the defending national champions without being really good. Uh, but they turn the ball over a little bit more than my liking. Yep. Jalen Suggs is a stud. We haven't really seen him look like a freshman just yet. Hopefully we don't see that in the NCAA tournament per se. Uh, but he's also a freshman and we haven't seen very many freshman mistakes. Corey Kispert is really good. Some of those guys, but the bench doesn't go particularly right. deep with a ton right. of talent either. Uh, so, you know, one of my things and why I think that Gonzaga has always been in the situation that they're in is because they realize and stick with me here, Jace, because I'm going to take you somewhere. Let's go on a wild ride and buckle up your seatbelt. So I really believe that they're in the situation that they're in because they realize that they needed to beef up the non-conference schedule and win some of those games. And they've done that. Maybe not won all of them, but they won quite a bit of them. I remember Maui Invitational beat Duke and a lot of other good teams, especially this year. And that's obvious. But then they turn around and have to get acclimated to playing West Coast Conference competition for 18 games in a normal year. And that's when they tend to maybe not let up off the gas, but they get accustomed to playing that kind of competition yeah. for months. And then now you're asking for them to kind of readjust all over again and play the same kind of competition that they were playing in the non-conference. And it's so quick of a turnaround. They don't tend to exceed uh, expectations uh, uh, in, in situations like that. And they end up losing early. So if I'm Gonzaga and I know that nobody's beating down my door for this or anything like that, but if I'm Gonzaga, uh, if you're not going to move to the Pac-12, by all means, that's fine, fine. Do what you do. You got to at least move to the Mountain West where it's a lot more competitive. Get some right. Boise States, some San Diego States, some New Mexicos and whatnot if you want a little bit more respect from Deshaun Tate. But I'm pretty sure that they don't really care about that much. <laughs> there you go, man. You listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason along with Deshaun Tate. He's got his own podcast, Tate's Take. He's an expert in the college basketball world, so we're glad Deshaun's joining us. My One thing I will say about Gonzaga, very impressed last night. They got pushed by BYU. They were down double digits at the half. Your guy, your guy Jalen Suggs, played really well second half. The last four minutes of the game, he took that game over in the last four minutes, and they ended up winning that game by 10 points to win the WCC against a pretty good BYU team that's going to be in the tournament and will give somebody fits. So give them full credit for their for their work. They're only one of, the, I think, the fifth team in the last 40 or 45 years that are going to go into the tournament undefeated. So that pressure is a little bit more mounting. But I think it might help Gonzaga with no fans in the buildings this year, with minimal fans, because, you, like you said, that second-round game when they're playing an eight or nine seed, typically that's the game where they like to slip up or all of a sudden you look up with five minutes to go and it's a tie game. I think Gonzaga, this could be the year with minimal fans that, and like you made a great point, what's their draw? Are they going to, are they going to play a big rough and tough team in round two? Or are they going to play more of a loosey goosey finesse team? And I think that's to their, to their liking up and down the court, shoot quick, 
that kind of stuff. So it'd be an interesting Gonzaga with their matchups. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I want to make sure I'm throwing some really positive things out there about Gonzaga too, because, you know, there, it takes a lot to come back in a situation that they listen, they got the bullseye on their back every single night. Yep. And I think that's where you got to give them credit. Cause listen, they buckled down in the second half. They were down by 12 in the first half and came back against a team that was shooting what 76% yeah. with BY, uh, BYU in the first half on yesterday on just last night. So you definitely got to give them some credit and, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them go down by, you know, quite a few points, maybe 15 or something like that in the NCAA tournament and come back and end up taking and winning. Now, the problem that I do have with some people say, ah, oh, they should have went ahead and took the loss or whatever else, what have you, so that you can kind of know how it feels to lose no. and get that monkey off really? your back. I've never been a believer in anything like that. Mm. And that just kind of sounds too much like losing on purpose to me, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But you play the game to win. They're unbeaten. Absolutely. They're the best team in the country. Nobody can argue it if we're just being honest about it. And then I'm going to be interested to see where they end up uh, in the NCAA tournament in terms of the seating, who's in their bracket, getting to the NCAA tournament's final four, maybe. Right. Uh, and, and then just and, and just let the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to give them a oh, national championship because oh, they're no. undefeated. They got to go out there and they got to take it. And while that's what a lot of people expect them to do, I just want to see. I'm, I'm a show me guy. I'm not from Missouri. I'm from Michigan, but you still got to show me. I got you. All right, let's hit the SEC real quick. Is Alabama seems to be the cream of the crop there? I mean, you got a couple other teams that'll get at large bids. They'll probably have four or five teams get in the in the tournament. Kentucky, another brutal loss today. I mean, they've lost so many games in the last three four minutes. It's crazy. Their season's over. I think Calipari's probably glad. I don't. I mean, I, for whatever reason, just this team has not has not had any team chemistry much. They don't have any stars at Kentucky. None of those guys, those freshmen, are. they were overvalued. They were overrated from a recruiting perspective or whatever you want to call it. Nothing against the kids, but they just weren't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. And so Kentucky's out. Like we talked about Duke being out, Indiana's out. Just your quick thought on just Alabama and Kentucky. Yeah, as far as Kentucky goes, I mean, let's just be honest about this thing. I haven't seen this type of season, and I don't know when. And last time I checked, I thought that they gave uh, Kentucky uh, or Calipari a blank check or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, it they, they don't really have a point guard. Yep. And I think that that's something that really hurted them. You take a look at some of their shooting percentages this season from behind the arc. They probably Fair. make you want to vomit. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's – it's a, it was a rough year for them. You know, it, it really was. This was a worse year than it was for them the year after they won a national championship and then lost in 2013 in the first round of the NIT to Robert Morris. It kind of had that kind of feel yeah. to it. Uh, and, then, and those people I can't imagine in Lexington are happy because, listen, they don't hang regular season banners and conference tournament banners. They hang national championship banners. Well, this day and age, what I really feel like it's about, it's you can you can kind of strap down your job security a little bit more if you're able to win recruiting battles and not really so much about national championships anymore. And now you're kind of seeing, even if he wins recruiting battles, that you can tend to grow a little bit more frustrated. So I'm always kind of curious to know what that fan base uh, feels about uh, what Kentucky and Calipari has been doing as of late. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you start talking about teams like Alabama. Listen, they seem like they are – 
certainly the cream of the crop in that conference. I think Missouri is somewhere right up in there as well. Yeah. Maybe a couple others that are halfway decent. But Warren, as far as Alabama is kind of a sleeper team. They're an older team. They got a bunch of older guys. Mm -hmm. I know they haven't played great this year, but again, sure. seniors tend to play better when the pressure's mm -hmm. at its at its highest. So a team like Florida could be a team that you could, you know, would again, it wouldn't shock you if they were a seven seed and they won a couple mm -hmm. games. Yeah, you tend to see Florida in cases like this that end up having a really good year. Uh, Alabama shoots the three at a really high clip. Uh, that's the concerning thing for me about them because they have been hitting those shots lately. Yeah. We start talking about guys like John Petty, who came in with Colin Sexton, expected to be one and done. Now he's a senior, feels like he's been there forever, and that he's going to be able to get a senior discount in a couple different places there on campus. But, uh, uh, you know, Herb Jones, Herb Jones, very athletic and, uh, you know, uh, you know, when, when uh, Javon Quinterly, a transfer from Villanova. So, you know, when they're not hitting shots, it looks pretty freaking bad, yeah. but they're usually hitting their three pointers. That's the concerning thing about me, because when you live and you die by that three pointer, yeah. you expect for, you know, to maybe hopefully knowing that you have to do it for six straight games where the competition only gets better. Yeah. I can't really imagine that that's a recipe for success for them. But Nate Oates has had just as good of a year as anybody, certainly within that conference and maybe even out of it uh, from a whole head coaching job standpoint, uh, that, that, that um, with the exception of maybe just a couple of different coaches uh and that's less than a handful if i'm just being honest so we'll see it's going to be interesting yeah alabama's probably going to be a two seed it looks like from all indications so and i'm with you who would have thought alabama's going to be a football school alabama's a hoop school man <laughs> i know <laughs> i know tough, crazy to think place that. to, that's a tough place to, to recruit basketball guys mm -hmm. i mean not saying you can't get get them but that's a tough place to get them and give nato to real credit i mean he's turned that program completely around in two years I mean, and to mm -hmm. give him full credit, he was at Buff. People remember he was at Buffalo before. They had a couple of good runs in the tournament when he was at Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So he's a hell of a coach, knows what he's doing. And so I, I'd like to see Alabama. I, I know a bunch of my friends of mine. I lived in Birmingham for many a year. So I know mm -hmm. all, a bunch of friends of mine are roll tiders and already slurping that sweet 16, <laughs> that sweet 16 uh, juice that they're going to, they, they expect them to be at least be in the sweet 16. So, all right, let's roll out to the Big 12. Big time conference. You got a lot of not maybe not. You got Baylor, who's going to be a one seed, and a, and a lot of really really good teams. Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma's pretty good. You got a lot of really not an elite team. Kansas is an elite, but they're good. What do you think of the depth of the Big Twelve? Yeah, West Virginia. I mean, the list yeah. seems like it goes Oklahoma on and on State. and on. It's really Oklahoma State, geez, for crying out loud. That Oklahoma State team, and I'm not saying that they are a team that can win a national championship Leaper. by any means, Leaper. nor any of that. But I tell you what, that feel of that team, just the feel. I'm not sure if anybody thought, what are we in now? Too? So uh, let's go, let's go back. I don't know. Let's go back 18 years. I feel like I'm not really good at math, but let's go back maybe 18 years. I'm not sure that I heard anybody saying. I really love Syracuse's chances at winning a national championship. They were just kind of floating up in there somewhere. Yeah. And then they got really hot. And then it was like, oh man, like this team's really good. Where have I been? I kind of feel like that's the same feel where you have one player who can take a team as play, far yeah. at, and a very elite player is going to be number one in draft, likely talking about Cade Cunningham special and uh, what most people feel like. Uh, but with that being said, 
Um, they got excellent roles. They got excellent role oh, players that know their role. They do. Let Kate do. do his thing, and those yep. guys fill in, whether it's an offensive rebound, a defensive mm-hmm. specialist kind of guy, a couple mm-hmm. of big, decent big men. They know, mm-hmm. they all know their role. Very well coached. Very well coached team on top of that. And again, you start talking about teams like Texas Tech who can almost be, who can always be dangerous. Last time we seen a Final Four play, they were playing in the national championship championship game now why maybe a lot of those players haven't returned to that they still play in that same system where they're going to be really aggressive on the defensive end tend to have a hard time scoring sometimes uh but you got guys like mac mcclung and uh uh, terrence and shannon and some of these other guys i mean they're a really good team obviously as well and texas is obvious uh, honestly another team where if you would have asked me maybe i don't know 30 days ago i like uh, who i thought who i thought outside side of Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan to win a national championship. I feel like that they had all the pieces. They have the athletes. They have the front court. They have the wings. They have the guards. They're deep. They have a coach in Shaka Smart that's been to a Final Four before. I mean, they've got it all across the board. It's just in cases like these, for whatever reason, Texas ends up pulling a Texas. (laughs) They do Texas-like things for whatever reason. So they're obviously a really, really good team. Uh, That that, that Big 12 is loaded. Think about this. Kansas won, what, 14 consecutive regular season championships within the Big 12 conference. It's been over, like, I think three years since they've won the Big 12, and they're still kind of hanging around in there, playing better than they were before. Obviously got a big win on tonight as well. So I think that was against Oklahoma. So, it's listen, it's it's as wide open for anybody outside of Baylor, and honestly, I'm not really sure – that I feel like Baylor is invincible or anything like no, that. No, but I mean, but again, back to back to old players. Baylor's got a bunch of seniors, junior seniors. They've got mm-hmm. a good bench. You mentioned Gonzaga's lack of a bench. Baylor plays eight, nine guys oh, yeah. that have mm-hmm. they have full confidence, and no matter who's in the mm-hmm. game, those guys will be productive offensively and defensively. So, and again, Scott, what Scott Drew's done at Baylor mm-hmm. the last ten or twelve years, rebuilding that program from all the scandal they had is incredible for what he's done at Baylor. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with that. One of my concerns with Baylor is they don't have nearly enough size. Now they have plenty of guard play. I mean, when you start talking about teams that are going to go deep in the tournament, you always have to look at the coaching. You have to look at the guard play and you have to look at the experience. It's always going to be those upperclassmen, juniors, seniors, guys has been there forever. Baylor has all of those things. Now for me personally, I tend to see uh, maybe uh, Scott Drew in situations sometimes ends up being a guy that uh, can occasionally be outcoached. Yep, yep. Uh, but they have more than enough guards. Uh, they, they don't have nearly enough bigs. But the, the key is, is that they have so many guards that are maybe even if they're 6'3", 6'4", or only 6'5", they play so much bigger with so much passion yep. uh, than, than their size shows on the on the, on the roster sheet. So that, that's something that is either going to help them or hurt them going down the stretch. All right, let's give me a, let, give me a couple of mid-major sleepers, a couple of the non-power five teams that you've seen that you think can win a couple of games, maybe even make an elite eight kind of run like a George Mason VCU. I'll give you a couple. You Illinois, Chicago. I'm sorry. Loyola, Chicago. Loyola. The Ramblers are, it looks like they're back. They got a team. They can play defense. That co- is a That guy's a good coach. 
Yeah, like Porter Moser. Guys, yep. Mm -hmm. Give me your thoughts on a couple of the teams that you think from the mid-major level could be a scary, scary out. Yeah, the last time I checked, I looked at Liberty, and Liberty was uh, always one of those teams that I really believe. Actually, they ended up winning a, 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 a game in the NCAA yep. tournament, one or two of them. I think just one uh, the last time that the tournament was played. They're going to be scary. A lot of people not paying very much attention to Colgate. I'm not talking about the toothpaste. I'm talking about the team. They're going to be one that I think could potentially just shock a lot of people. Uh, so they're one of them. Uh, in terms of mid-major, I mean, most people are going to go the San Diego State route, maybe, and Loyola, Chicago, a, a, Drake, as you mentioned. A team like Drake or Oral Roberts. Drake. Mm -hmm. Drake's Something had a like really that. good year. There is some potential with some of those teams. I'm going to give you one. And this is a little nugget. I'll save this one, though, Jace. I want to make sure I save this one for your podcast because you're my boy, of course, through TJ, who I absolutely love. Nobody's going to talk about this team. Obviously, they're in a one-bid league. We'll see if they end up winning their conference tournament, but they should. If they get in, they can win a game in the NCAA tournament. They will be the team, and I'm, I, I want to size it up for you right now because this is what I like to call a free space on the Tate's Take bingo card. This is a team that once – you because everybody fills out their brackets and so forth and then they see a game and they're like okay I'm gonna take this one and then they lose and they're like okay my bracket's busted nobody could have picked that team and you throw it away but you're still holding on to it for a little bit longer just in case you got a shot but that wasn't the one that busted your bracket wide open it was this one that came way later tonight that you never saw and then you ended up saying okay now everyone in the country's bracket is busted I can shred it up I can light it on fire. Now I can go grab me a, a drink out the kitchen and kick my heels up and just watch it for shoots and giggles. The team is Abilene Christian. Uh -oh. If you get a chance to see them play, they are a really, really good team. Winthrop is another one, but I still like Abilene Christian. I've liked them all year. They played who I believe in Florida, Kentucky, one of those two teams a couple of years ago, it came down to the wire. A ton of players that are coming back from that team that was really young at that time, haven't okay. been in D1 very long, now is a very experienced team. Keep your eyes on Abilene Christian this year. There you go. And I'm gonna, I'll give you one, too. And I know they still got they're, – they're a long shot to make it and win their conference. But if this, if this team gets in with the guy who mans their sidelines – in the history he has, look out, Rick Patino and Iona. They're, they've, they, they've had COVID issues throughout the year. They haven't had a great year. They're like the eighth seed in their turn in their conference. They just beat the one seed yesterday, I believe. So they're in the semifinals. If they were to get in and find a way with Patino, that guy knows how to get X's and O's and get a team ready to play to pull an upset type situation. So a little team like Iona out of the MAC. Look out if they were to win that conference. And that's the MAC, the MAAC, yes. not the MAC, because I got one, I got two more for you, and then I, I promise you I'm done with the mid majors. I just get really excited. I have one from the other MAC, the MAC, a good buddy of mine, Justin Ingram, who's originally from Michigan, grew up with him, lifetime friend of mine. He coaches at Toledo. Toledo is going to be a really, really tough out for anybody that plays, and they've been playing phenomenal ball this year. The other one, um, I, I, I've seen quite a bit of them, but I know the star player of the team named, uh, named um, uh, Isaiah Miller, probably the most athletic guy in the tournament this year. University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Okay. A really, really good team. Very well coached. 
in the event that they make a deep run, somebody's going to be banging that door down to try and give them a job at some one of these power six conferences. Yep. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, and again, this year with as much, whatever you want to call it, uh, inconsistency of a schedule and way guys, teams have had to do. And remember if a, if a, if anybody on your team tests positive for COVID after you play the first game, you forfeit. So if come next Friday, a team wins a game in round one and they, and they test positive, they're done. There's no replacing them. Whereas prior to Thursday or Friday, if a team has as a COVID issues, they could be replaced in the tournament by another team. But once a team plays a game, you're not, mm-hmm. you, you either, you either play or you forfeit. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no interest. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens if God forbid in the sweet 16, somebody in the sweet 16 has COVID and, and a team gets a free run to the, to the elite eight or the, even the final four, God forbid, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that, how that goes over. And, uh, the protocols, obviously, the whole tournament's going to be in Indianapolis area, Bloomington, West Lafayette, Indianapolis. So that'll be a cool scene and all that stuff. But all right, give me give me a final four prediction. I know we don't know what the brackets are yet. Give me give me give me give me five. I'm going to give you give me five teams that you think are going to be in the four out of these five teams are going to be in the final four. Oh, geez. Again, like you said, we don't know what those brackets are going to look like yet. So I really hate to do this. Typically, I don't because I don't know what the matchups are. Uh, But the teams that I feel very confident about, I I mean, I'd be I'd be crazy if I didn't mention Gonzaga there. I think they're going to be one of them. Uh, Michigan is still a team that I think can give some teams, obviously not just Fitz, but Gonzaga being one of them. Uh, So uh, even more so than Baylor in some cases. So I'll go with Gonzaga and Michigan for now. I, I, I want to hang on. I, w- I want to hang on to my Texas a little bit. I, like I still want to hang on to that. I'm going to hold on to Texas for a little while. Um, even though they haven't really been playing the best brand of basketball as of late. So that's my third one. Um, I'm going to go Houston. Okay. Someone that nobody really talks about very much. I'm going to go with Houston on that one too. It wouldn't surprise me the least bit. I've seen Wichita state go. Why not see uh, somebody like Houston go? Uh, I'm not they are sure rugged. that I have a you, that Houston they team. They are rugged. They are mm-hmm. undersized, but man, they play hard. Kelvin Sampson knows how to coach. Kelvin Sampson ain't the best recruiting guy you you want leading your program, but he knows how to coach his guys, and he knows how to teach them defense. And they are a bat, a rugged kind of team, man. Yeah, I think for now that might be all I got all right. for for. I mean, I'm with you. I like I, Texas. I, I, yeah, Iowa's one of those teams that can either lose in the first round or they can go all the way to the final yep. four, you know, or maybe winning. You know, I mean, I'm not sure I could see them win a national championship, but listen, people are going to say all the time, there's 10 to 12 teams that can win this thing. And I'm always like, no, realistically, I really feel like there's about five or six, yep. if that many, a good handful or so. This is a year, especially if you're talking about final four and not just kind of national championship. You got 68 teams in this thing. There's realistically probably a, Final four, 20. There's probably, there's easy, easily 20 plus that, that I think it. can go to the final. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Without even questioning it. We can just run them off right now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I'm going to give you Gonzaga. I'm going to go Florida state. I'm going to go Baylor and I'm going to go either Michigan or Illinois. One of those two are going to go and I'm going to, I'm with you. I like Texas for some reason. I think Texas <clears throat> is going to make a deep run. 
with you. So yeah, I've been, I forgot Florida State. That one might be my fifth one. You mentioned Illinois. Uh, and, and I think that they have a really good chance, just as good as anybody, yep. not named Gonzaga, to be there. I, I don't know how I can leave them off the list. Certainly, I'm going to go with Florida State a little bit over Illinois, but not by much because right. Illinois has a very good balance of defense, offense, very well coached. Brad Underwood, I mean, he reminds me of Gene Cady so much. The key, I think, for them is what has helped them with the injury to Ayo DeSumo, who had a broken nose and had to sit out games, it forced them to get other guys involved. Yep. If I can take you back to maybe 2005, when they had D. Brown and Darren Williams, yep. it wasn't just those two guys. We know that those were the key factors for the team, but they also had your Roger Powell. They also had Luther Head. They had James Augustine, and they got guys involved. Prior to Ayo DeSumo's uh, injury, I didn't really see a lot of other guys like Curbelo and 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 yep. and, and, and and some of these other guys, uh, Bazanishvili, that ended up getting more time, more run, more touches on the basketball. Right. When that happened, they start putting it together a little bit more. I'm not nearly as concerned about them in March as I was before. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. So what do you what do you do on Selection Sunday when the breath? I love one of the things I love is that when when Greg Gumble comes on with CBS. And he starts <laughs> spouting off the matchups, and they go to they go to UNC Greensboro when they're erupting in their little in the, in their little space, playing playing North Carolina in round one or what you know whatever the matchups are. I love that emotion that they always show, and I love when Greg Gumble says in the East Region the Duke Blue Devils or the Illinois Fighting Illini. I just love that that hour hour and a half where they unveil the brackets live on TV. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Me too. Definitely. I'm not, it's going to seem a little weird this year if they're yep. still going to be saying East, West, North and South right. or, or Midwest one, or whatever. I think it it's is. one, two, three and four. I think that's how they're okay. going to name the region. Yeah, that makes, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense now since it's all played in one state, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Typically on the menu, I don't know. I typically might go for a meat lover's pizza. Let there me get go. a little extra cheese on it. Maybe a little bit of extra sauce, a little garlic butter on the side of some breadsticks or something. Uh, that's typically the go-to, but uh, it, it, it's a it's a tradition in my family. I've got a cousin of mine who just moved away to Texas, but typically every year we get together, we get pieces of paper like we've been doing since we were kids, yeah. ten years old, sitting in the middle of the living room and just uh, and and just filling out the bracket, or maybe get one of those big poster boards and kind of map out our own little bracket and whatever and kind of write it in and then advance who we think I'm not a I'm not a multiple bracket guy I'm only a one bracket okay. fill out guy you know, I I'm, like not, it. I'm I'm not mad at the people who are multiple bracket guys as long or guy or girls as long as they're not fiddling, fill, filling them out in uh in pencil because that's cheating I see the people out there that do that all the time um but uh, I, I will say this much though um real quick here's the most important question do you have your sick? Do you have your uh, ex, your sick excuse ready for Friday to tell your boss you're not feeling very well Friday? Well, 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 well not me because Deshaun Tate is working for Deshaun Tate okay. right now at this point. All right. Um, but but prior to that, my love, my passion for college basketball. I used to get kicked out. True story. I used to get kicked out of other departments before I even started working within this business uh, of, of covering and being a reporter for college basketball, I used to get kicked out of other departments for being over there in other departments talking about basketball. And eventually I just said, put two and two together. Why don't I just go get me a job where I can get paid 
to talk about basketball for crying out loud. Then that'll help me a little bit more on my resume and it won't look so messed up and looking at all the terminations. Uh, but I, I will I, I will say this year is going to be a funky one. I don't know if I'm going to let the dogs fill out the bracket this year. We might base it on vacation destinations. And that might be the best part about March Madness. And I'll say this in closing, I promise. In conclusion is that what I love about it so much is that it brings it, it brings out the best in people in terms of fellowship. Yeah. I mean, where else do you get this at? You know, you you get to write down the 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 the, the selections on Sunday, take the put to the uh, office pool on Monday morning. I don't care where you're from, your ethnicity, different walks of life. Everybody, the the kid from the kids all the way to the grandparents are filling out brackets. Yeah. There's nothing like March Madness. I promise you on everything like. There's just nothing better than that. That's something that we need a little bit more in today's world is more fellowship, more people coming together. Right. March Madness typically always does that. And that's one of the things that I love about it the most in this crazy world. Absolutely. And like you said, if you're going out to sports bars, please just do your part to be safe and don't put anybody at unnecessary risk because all, we all want to go watch the games in different places and all that. We get it. And not everybody's got the same access to going to sports bars yet. It depends on where you live in the country, but just be respectful for your people that are around you and all that good stuff and have a great time. And like you said, we all love the upset. We all want to see the little guy beat the big guy or at least take him to the wire to the last possession of the game and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, like you said, it's a great way to unite people and bring people together for three weeks and, uh, and Deshaun, what what a pleasure, man, meeting you, talking to you. Great job on the podcast. Check out uh, Deshaun's Tate's Take. Where can people find you on, on, on social media? Oh, always, all social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine. Tate's Take, uh, at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. I like to hashtag and call it. That's where basketball lives. Uh, find the podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher. Yep. Uh, we stream live on Twitch uh, 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 as well as on uh, YouTube, uh, including um, uh, um, on Facebook, the whole nine. And we're streaming live. We call it the best, the most informational, the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Bright and early tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We're bringing Jay Billis on, pick his brain a little bit. So awesome. uh, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts, but that's what March Madness is about. It's three weeks full of just unpredictability. And that's what I think I might like about it the most. Awesome, man. Great job, Deshaun. Good luck. Keep up the great work. I'll tell TJ, me and you both owe TJ a lunch. I'm going to try to take him to lunch in the next week or so. And I know you know you and TJ are good buddies. So keep up the good work, man. Great job. I appreciate it. And we will be, we'll be back in touch. Maybe we'll catch up with you, maybe Final Four weekend, something like that. We'll, we'll get a little deeper in the tournament. And we'll definitely get your takes moving forward, man. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. Thank you much for having me and sharing this space and this platform with me. And uh, many blessings and prosperity to you as well. Awesome. All right. You're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. We'll be back in just a minute. I'll give you some NFL free agency thoughts and all that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the podcast. Want to thank Deshaun Tate again. Tate's take on college hoops for all of his insight. He's great knowledge source. He is a diehard college basketball guy. He covers the game 
the tournaments and all that good stuff and does a great job covering it. He has his own podcast as well as uh, YouTube and Facebook Live and all that kind of good stuff. So definitely check out Deshaun if you get a chance. And again, we're back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Before we get into the NFL notes, want to make you aware of something. A couple little things locally here in Tampa that you can take advantage of all over the world, country, world, wherever you are at. If you are a theater fan, fan of plays, all those kind of things. I know obviously with with COVID and the pandemic going on, theaters are closed. You're not able to go see live entertainment, things like that. If you are interested in live theater shows, I encourage you to check out powerstories.com. P-O-W-E-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S, powerstories.com. It's a theater company here in Tampa that I have uh, a connection with that they are having a festival of plays for the next nine this weekend, all of this weekend, and all of next week. They're going to be having a new play per day that they are going to be live streaming online. So you can buy a ticket online no matter where you are in the country you can watch the live stream after the show's over there'll be a meet and greet with the show's director um, for each night and again each night is a different brand new unique show and these these playwrights are from all these playwrights and these performances are from all over the country as well it's not just uh, stationed here in Tampa there are playwrights from Boston all over the place um, so definitely would encourage you to go to powerstories.com It'd be a cool night of entertainment for you and your family if you like the theater. And again, there's a, there'll be a listing of all the different plays and which night which plays are going. So definitely encourage you to check out powerstories.com uh, for all your uh, for some entertainment uh, coming up in the next 9, 10 days. All right, one more quick update before we get to the NFL on college basketball. Virginia has had to bow out of the ACC tournament due to a COVID test within their program. So they have had to basically forfeit their semifinal matchup with Georgia Tech. That was supposed to happen on Friday. So Virginia out of the ACC. We don't know what their uh, ability is to be in the NCAA tournament next week. So interesting uh, breaking news kind of on uh, on that front. Remember, Virginia just beaten Syracuse at the, with a buzzer beater three-pointer on Thursday. So Virginia out of the ACC tournament, their status for the NCAA tournament is still unknown. So we'll have to probably wait until Selection Sunday to see how that unfolds. That could open up a door for another team, obviously, on the bubble if Virginia were not able to play in the NCAA tournament. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Okay, let's get to the NFL. Like I told you last week, there would be tons and tons of roster moves as far as salary cap uh, casualties this week, and there have been. The NFL franchise tag deadline was this week as well. Some a couple interesting names that did get tagged were Allen uh, Robinson with the Bears, Chris Godwin with the Buccaneers, um, Justin Simmons for the Broncos, Marcus May for the Jets. Um, obviously, Dak Prescott got his deal done, so he did not uh, he did not get the franchise tag. So Prescott got his. Uh, monster deal done. And by the way, the Cowboys did overpay big time for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is not a $40 million a year quarterback. He's probably in the $33, $34 million range. 
Um, but Prescott had the Cowboys with a gun to their head because of the Cowboys' inability to get a deal done in the last couple of years. So Dak Prescott gets overpaid big time, $126 million guaranteed in the first three years. $75 million of that is going to be in year one of the contract, which is it's great to be great to be alive, I guess, if you're Dak Prescott. So congratulations to Dak, though I do think they overpaid, uh, you know, $5, 6000000 million a year overpaid for, for Prescott. He's a good quarterback. He's not he's not elite. He's not uh, Rodgers. He's not, uh, you know, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes quite yet. He's probably 10, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 rated quarterback probably in the league if you had a draft right now that you'd probably take. So, um, but the Cowboys do get the deal done and it seems to be somewhat salary cap friendly to some degree. So, but Dak Prescott, four-year deal with the Cowboys, franchise tag, Godwin, Allen Robinson are the two kind of big names. A couple of big names that did not get the tag. Shaq Barrett did not get the tag in Tampa. Kenny Galladay in Detroit. Aaron Jones in Green Bay. So all three now are unrestricted free agents. Don't be surprised if Shaq Barrett re-signs with the Buccaneers. Uh, as we get closer to the uh, actual free agency period starting on March 17th. So it will be, uh, but again, as of right now, all three are free. Remember, this coming up Monday, Tuesday is kind of the open negotiation period. You can't officially sign the contracts, but you're allowed to negotiate with teams on Monday and Tuesday. So you will see a lot of deals get handshake, wink, wink, done on Monday and Tuesday leading into free agency on Wednesday. Remember, this is a uh, the salary cap went down about 8.5%, down to about 182 million. So again, lots and lots of guys that are in the middle class of the NFL salary structure, the 4 million to 10 million dollar guys as far as salaries are going to be the the uh, recipient of bad news this week with with a lot of these cuts. There's been a ton of guys cut New Orleans has had to cut a bunch of guys, Malcolm Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Morstead the punter. You've had other teams have had to make some, uh, the Giants have cut a few guys. Uh, Zeitler is, is another guy that got cut. You've, I mean, you're getting, you're going to have a lot of guys in that middle class from, again, four to 10, four to $12 million that are going to have their contracts terminated um, due to the reduction in the salary cap this year. So, uh, I would anticipate there being a lot of one- and two-year deals because, remember, the TV networks are renegotiating with the league. So once those deals get done, the teams will have a much better sense of where the salary cap's going, which it's going to go up, but they'll have a very pretty decent sense of where it's going to go to. That Thus, you can uh, prorate these huge signing bonuses out over time and make the dead cap hits much less and the per-year salary cap hits much less. So... Um, again, you're going to see a ton of more cuts this weekend, and you will see teams, again, teams have to be under the salary cap come Wednesday when free agency starts. You cannot be over the salary cap come the start of the new league year. So again, you're still going to have some more cuts probably coming out of Chicago, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, some of those kind of teams, Green Bay's strapped up against the cap. Um, so again, you'll see, you're going to see some more very well-recognized names getting cut the next couple of days, which will give opportunities for them to re-sign with new clubs, 
probably having to take less money to do it and probably going to see shorter term contracts. So um, interesting, interesting developments as we head into the open money season of the National Football League. It's crazy how the NFL has turned into a 12 month a year league. There's news every single day coming out of somewhere. Cam Newton just re-signed with the New England Patriots for one year, which is kind of an interesting move at $14 million. Are they going to commit to Cam for one more one more hurrah, or are they still going to try to bring in somebody else, either a young player via the draft or a you know inexpensive another guy like a Mar- Marcus Mariota, somebody like that to compete with Cam Newton? I don't think Cam Newton can take the Patriots to uh, the promised land of, of, of being a major playoff contender. Could Cam Newton win eight or nine games? Probably. Um, but with with, a, with another full year of the offseason in New England, probably. And, the, you know, the Patriots are one of the teams that have a ton of salary cap space. So I would look for the Patriots to be pretty active uh, in the salary cap market. In the free agency market, uh, you're going to see some guys coming back last year that opted out with the Patriots, especially on defense. But again, look for the Patriots to make some some moves in, uh, on offense in free agency. Again, Powers on Sports Podcast, we appreciate you checking us out. If you have any comments or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at Sports on Twitter. Uh, you can also, uh, again, reach out to us through the podcast. Love to hear from you. We're gonna, we got some cool guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Probably going to have TJ Reeves on from the Tampa Bay Buccaneer Radio Network and also is a big college basketball guy. Next week, we're going to break down the brackets, each bracket in depth and all that good stuff. So check us out. Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, all those podcast platforms that you love and utilize check us out tell a friend forward our podcast to your sports buddies we i think we do a pretty good job of giving you some content and some information again you had deshaun tate on tonight did a great job breaking down all the conference tournaments and some sleeper sleeper teams heading into selection sunday so thanks again for listening to us on the powers on sports podcast and we'll see you next time